This boy and girl are going to be well equipped when the time comes to take their places as worthy members of adult society. All right. Wow. I've been waiting for this, and that makes me imagine this is going to be a very powerful production and experience for the people that are willing to tune in and hear what Naveen Jain is saying, what he's not saying. I'm so inspired, actually. I decided to team up with his company, uh, one of his companies, Viome.com, which, from my understanding, it's one of the most advanced technologies on the market where you actually send a sample of your own stool from the comfort of your own home. You send it, they do analysis on it, and they find out what might be one man's food is another man's poison. And as you all know about me, I'm a big advocate for us to consider that potentially the poison is in the medicine and the medicine is in the dose. And that's a different topic, but the idea of the difference between tools and weapons, foods and poisons, positive and negatives, self-analysis and awareness as amplifying one's ability to live the best life possible. Those are some of the themes of the Breaking Normal podcast for me and many of our guests. And Naveen Jain is no, no, he is different. He's so different. He just is breaking normal in such an extremely impactful way for not only for himself, but for the masses. And as you'll get to hear him explain throughout this conversation, his goals are to the moon and, and to the gut and beyond. And like I said, I was so inspired. I decided um, to make a partnership with them and they've gifted me one of their kits and I just got it today. So it's time to finally release this episode. And they've actually created a URL for their website, viome.com slash breaking normal. Where, from my understanding, currently you'll get the best deal they have publicly on the site for an individual order through that URL. So if you go to viome.com slash breaking normal and you want to uh, join this experiment with me, uh, go ahead and order your, order your kit and let me know if you did through Instagram. Because I, I want to maybe, maybe even create a group around this, whether it's a Facebook group or just a group text chat. Um, depending on how many people are interested, but maybe figuring out what to do with these results. Uh, apparently, they give quite the analysis where they'll. It, it's apparently, uh, from my understanding, once again, like the, some of the most advanced technology to give you a full analysis of one of the best personally procured diets for you based on the analysis of your gut. And we talk much more about it in depth in the podcast. So strap in and enjoy this experience to find out maybe. Um, as inf- as much as there's infinite space out there looking to the stars and beyond, there might be this similar reflection to looking into the, the inner cells of our body and beyond. This might be a direct reflection. And on that note, I'll, uh, I will do the blessing for myself and y'all to procure a cool section of the Breaking Normal book on Audible to end the podcast as the outro. And I trust that I'll serve you. And definitely stay tuned for the following episodes. There's a theme here. Like the next one of the next guests, Mike Salemi, we talk very in-depth about how to do your own testing without any lab results because he's done so much lab result testing. And I think following his protocol along with maybe 
a Viome kit would be a very interesting self-exploration adventure that I'd love for people to consider doing. I'm considering it myself. But the Viome kit I got, I'm going to probably uh, share my sample in it, send it back tomorrow, and look forward to the results based on my poop. Because what's more powerful than poo? And is dirt really dirty? Enjoy this synergistic conversation between Naveen Jane and I. Peace in. All right, y'all. I'm at the uh, bottom of the Beverly Hilton here with uh, someone I'm extremely inspired by, Naveen Jain, uh, founder of a company named Viome and Moon Express. Those are your current projects that seem the most relevant on your radar right now. Is that correct? That is correct. I'm also uh, spending a lot of time with XPRIZE and Singularity University. Okay, okay. So, I, personally, it was like a year ago that we met in San Diego, and I was ready to start it. When I met you, I was like, I'm going to start a podcast, because when I meet people like this, I want to get them on the show. And now here we are about a year later, so thank you for making time for this. And yesterday, I got to sit a bit of your in your keynote with Dave, and uh, one thing, a topic that I just want to bring off right at the start, because you're a man that I judge to be extremely successful, except, especially when it comes to being a magnet for... Um, capital, resources, finances, because you're giving so much to the world. It seems like you've created that cycle for yourself. So thank you for doing that and inspiring me and so many countless others. But one thing you talked about last night was like the difference between passion and obsession. I would like to hear you, uh, what's most relevant on your heart about that right now, what that means to you. You know, first of all, like the way to look at this stuff is, you know, we talk about you know, making money all the time. And to me, that is always should be the byproduct. You, if you can focus on solving a problem, you can actually create an amazingly great business from it. But you have to stay focused on the mission. Why is it that you're doing it? If you can find a way to help a billion people, there's just no doubt in my mind you can create a $100 billion business. If you can go out and solve a billion dollar problem, you can go out and create a $100 million enterprise. So the idea is what is it that you really, really care about? And when you care about something, it's not that I'm passionate about it. You have to be obsessed about it. And that is really the key. The hobby is a passion. When you really want to solve a problem, you got to be so obsessed that you can't sleep and you wake up in the morning thinking about it. You go to sleep thinking about it. You dream about it. And the way to find out is that you really are obsessed about it or not is when you wake up at 4 a.m., do you jump out of the bed and say, God, I want to go do this thing? Or do you say, you know what, I'm going to lay around until my alarm goes off? Then you are just simply passionate about it. This morning, did you jump out of bed at 4 a.m.? I actually get up every single day before 4 a.m. Before 4 a.m. Before 4 a.m. And I jump out of the bed because there's just so much to do in life. It's not about, you know, it's a work. Because... I, the things I do, I consider them to be retirement. Because part of being retired is only doing things you just absolutely love doing and don't do anything else that you don't want to do. And to me, you know, solving the problem where we can help a billion people take control of their own health and live a healthy life, that's a problem worth solving. Trying to find how do we save the humanity from potential extinction so you can live on the moon and Mars and beyond, that's a problem worth solving. And, you know, you wake up in the morning, if you can't get excited about them, then maybe it's just not for you. And and I, this is something very, you know, I just say because I just feel that there are so many great people who have great mind and they waste their life away when they get to a certain age, 50 or 60, and they start playing golf. 
And I'm thinking if your whole life amounts to chasing a small ball on a court, you may as well give someone a right to shoot you because now you have become a parasite on humanity. Because the definition of a parasite is you're taking more than you're giving, giving in. And then you're a parasite because you're really not contributing to the betterment of humanity. You're simply taking from humanity for the betterment of yourself. And that's a true definition of a parasite. Wow. You ha- I love the way you use your vocabulary. It's quite profound. Uh, what, what, did, this morning on your waking up, what are you obsessed about? Like, what do you, and have you always been this way? Did, was this a shift like when you were 14 or do you always remember being like so excited about life you have to just jump out of bed? But the thing is, everything you do, you have to care about it. If you're simply doing it because it's a job, you will never be obsessed about it. So I tell even every single person who works with me in the company, And I say, there is going to be a day when you start to feel, oh my God, I have to go to work. Call me. I promise you, I'll find you a great job that will get you the same excitement that you had before. Right? If you can't do that, that you jump out and say, oh my God, the things I'm working on today is going to change millions of people's life soon. Then you're working on the wrong thing. You got to, first of all is... Wonder why you do things, right? So number one thing I, when we hire people is say, are you passionate about the cause we stand for? Are you passionate about the mission that we stand for? Don't worry about do you have the skills. Skills can be learned when you really, really want to do something. I mean, three years ago, I had no idea what healthcare was. I didn't know what DNA or RNA was. But the point is that is something you can learn. What you can't learn is the dedication and obsession for solving a problem. And then tell us, what are the major problems? Like, what is the ethos of the problems that you're looking to solve for humanity that keeps you, like, waking up at 4 a.m. stoked? Yeah. So the thing is, look at the things that, if successful, can actually help hundreds of millions, if not billions of people's life. Whether you're thinking about how do we change education system so that as we live in this world of exponential technologies where skills are constantly becoming obsolete, how do we have the society that's constantly learning? <coughs> and what I mean by the constant learning is that we as human beings actually die the day we stop becoming intellectually curious. The intellectual curiosity is what keeps your mind growing, what keeps a society moving forward. So the day you stop learning is the day you actually die. And that is the keys to understand is that every day when you wake up, so every day I wake up in the morning, after I take shower, I always do 5-10 minutes of meditation, just thinking about what do I stand for? What am I going to dedicate my day today to solving that? When I go to bed, every night, I, you know, just recap my day. Am I today, am I intellectually better than I was yesterday? Am I emotionally better today than I was yesterday? Or am I spiritually better today than I was yesterday? Because if you're not growing, you're actually stagnant or you're dead. Right? That's the definition of a zombie. You're alive, but you're actually dead. And then, so specifically, because I know the Viome, from my understanding, is a... Uh, a business that you have founded and it's an opportunity for people at home to send in a stool sample and get a gut analysis is that the let me can we expound upon that so people that are interested in learning more about that yeah so it's really not see what you're describing is the process you have to start thinking about and saying can we actually create a world 
where being sick is a choice. And what I mean by that is, what if we can understand exactly what is causing for us to have these chronic diseases? Because we've done a great job of getting rid of infectious diseases. And every day, we start to hear about people who are suffering from many of these chronic diseases. And we give them names. We take a set of symptoms and we start to describe them by names. You have Alzheimer's, you have Parkinson's, you have depression, you have anxiety, you have obesity, you have diabetes, you have autoimmune diseases, you have this heart disease, you have this lung cancer, you have pancreatic cancer, you have colorectal cancer, you have breast cancer. To me, these are simply the symptoms. And if you start to think about all of these chronic diseases have one thing in common. It's a chronic inflammation. So chronic inflammation causes the chronic uh, diseases and the chronic inflammation happens when you are eating food that actually is not uh, turned into nutrients by your gut microbiome and instead being turned into compounds that are causing inflammation. And that is the key. Once I started to understand that how we as human beings are really not something our DNA that we get from mom and dad, we actually are an ecosystem, a walking, talking ecosystem. In that ecosystem, about 1% of the genes come from our mom and dad, and 99% of all the genes that are expressed in our body are comes from 40 trillion organisms that live in or and on us. And that is the key, that we are actually an ecosystem. And when we disturb the ecosystem, whether by taking antibiotics or by eating food that's actually harming them. So when you eat food with pesticides, pesticide job is to kill the organisms. It kills the organisms in your gut. When you start to you know, even use the dishes that are washed in the this dishwasher whose job is to take the grease away from the plate, what is the grease in your gut? The gut lining. The mucus, it takes the mucus away, but that actually exposes bacteria to your gut lining that makes it permeable. It starts to have a leaky gut. So the idea is that anything that you do inside your body that changes our universe ecosystem, it impacts us. Anything that happens outside in the universe also impacts us because we're part of the same global universal consciousness or ecosystem, right? So we really are an ecosystem in ourselves and we're part of this larger ecosystem. Anytime there is an imbalance outside or inside that impacts of who we become and that is really being unhealthy, right? So when you talk about Disease. What is a disease? Disease is simply your body not being at ease. So it's dis-ease. And when you're not at ease, you have dis-ease. And dis-ease is what's called disease. right? So what if you can actually make it optional? And what I mean by optional is I don't have a power to eliminate the diseases because that will be something I say I can do that. But what if I can give you the information to tell you what is going on inside your body and here is what you can do about it. Here are the foods you should not eat and why. Here are the your superfoods that you should eat as much as you can and why. And here are your foods that are good for you. And here are the foods you should eat not very often, kind of minimize and just not too much of it. And then you make a decision. You know what? I don't care. I'm going to eat what I want. That's the choice, right? And that's what I mean by 
disease can be optional. That means it can give you a choice whether you want to be sick. Wow. And then, so as a potential customer of someone that has not used the product, what can what's the process like? And how does this process illuminate the personality? Like, Because what I'm hearing you say, what I've experienced myself is, me and my brothers have experimented with uh, radical diets, like a raw vegan diet. And we were eating the same thing and doing the same things, and we're basically the same family. But we were not reacting that's the same. That's so exactly I have a feeling this is something to that's do. That's exactly right. Yeah. Even if, you know, any two human beings, we can share 99.9% the same DNA. But when it comes to our gut, these 40 trillion organisms, there is less than 5% similarity. So that means even the family that live together, eat together, they react differently. In fact, you you know, we have this idea of these fat diets. You know, it worked for my friend. It worked for my brother. He went on a keto diet and God, he's really better. And someone will tell you, God, I went on a keto diet and my anxiety, now I'm, I got anxiety and I got all the hypothyroid. I got all of my hormones imbalanced. Like, people react very differently. So there is no such thing as universal healthy diet. A diet that's good for one person can actually harm someone else. The only diet that's good for you is that is being converted by your gut organisms into the nutrients that your body need and if it's turning into the toxins it's harmful for you interesting thing is we were told that certain things are just healthy right people would say hey spinach is really good for you because somehow we were taught from the time we were children <clears throat> when Popeye will come on TV and say I had a can of spinach and look at the strength. People thought that spinach is just healthy. It turns out that spinach has so much of oxalic acid and oxalate. And if you don't have the gut organisms that can detoxify and digest this oxalic acid or oxalate, it's going to end up as a kidney stone or cause inflammation in your body. Same type of thing happens when people talk about, you know, the pomegranate juice is really antioxidative. Well, it turns out the pomegranate juice is not antioxidative. It has allergic acid. And people who have the organisms in their gut and they produce the right set of biochemicals can convert the allergic acid into urolithin A. That is urolithin A is actually antioxidative. So if you don't have the right biochemicals activity, biochemical activities happening in your gut, you'd simply think you're eating healthy, you may actually be harming yourself. And so what we did was, we found an amazing technology that was actually sitting in a biodefense work and they were trying to find out if a bad actor were to get hold of something, how would we know what's making people sick? So they developed this RNA sequencing technology, not only to find out what organisms are there, but most importantly, they know what they are producing. Because once we know what they're producing, you can create antidote to it, right? And that is exactly what we do. We know not just the organisms, we tell you exactly what they're doing. Are they producing enough butyrate, which is anti-inflammatory? Or in turn, they're producing a lot of lipopolysaccharide, which is very highly inflammatory. Or you're eating too much protein and it's being converted into sulfide or ammonia that's causing inflammation. So we say, hey, now you have to lay off that protein or you got to eat the protein with a digestive enzyme so you can digest the thing rather than feed these organisms called protein fermenters that cause inflammation. So we literally look at all the different activities and biochemical activities, the signaling molecules, the, you know, what type of 
nutrients being produced what type of, are they producing whole bunch of things uh, whether it is ammonia sulfide um, LPS or flagella and then we look at the stuff and say what foods are being metabolized into what and what are they synthesizing into and based on that we can give you the recommendation that is specifically designed for you so you do a stool test we analyze everything and two weeks later on your iPhone or in a smartphone you get the recommendation tells you exactly what you need to be doing Wow, so two weeks later. Now, how this is a question I have, and I was talking to my friend yeah. who's a major yeah. biohacker yeah. of sorts, and he was wondering what the turnover time was because he feels like his guts change. He's changing his diet so often. Like, is that is it eventually going to be a quicker turnaround, or does that matter? What's the what's your opinion on yeah, that? Yeah. So first of all, you know, if you are on a similar diet for a while, it doesn't matter. You know, in a sense, your ecosystem stays the same. When you change your diet drastically then your ecosystem changes in two to three months and you start to change in four to six weeks you start to see the change so it's not like every day your things are constantly changing um, obviously these technologies are extremely um, expensive and the you know used to be five thousand dollars we brought the cost down to thousand dollars a year ago then we brought the cost down to four hundred dollars now we're sitting at $200, right? So we actually, when our cost comes down, we sell them at our cost or slightly below our cost. So we're now selling it for $199 because it costs about just over $200, right? So we're not, our goal really here is to not make money from the people who are actually suffering, but to understand from those people that how they can contribute to the humanity. <coughs> So we understand what is going on in people's gut and what makes people sick. And from taking this information, hopefully we can come up and say, people who have diabetes, here is what they need to do individually. Not everyone who has diabetes, here is a diet for them. For each individual, how do we reduce the glucose at uh, the A1C? For people who are depressed, how for each individual, what can you do based on their biochemical activities to reduce depression, reduce anxiety? And there is no doubt in my mind, one day we'll be able to get, get rid of almost every single chronic diseases if people have a choice of being can't uh, and all right wrote two things first of all so someone that's listening to this right now can go on the website and order this to their house that is correct and viome.com is that that is correct okay well there you go and on the, I can't help but think about my grandma she lived to a hundred years yeah. in three days yeah. and at the end uh, towards the end she was in the hospital and administrated so many antibiotics that I think she ended up with something called C. diff. Yes, yes. And from my understanding, you may know much yeah. more about this than I do, they were saying that there is a pill that could help this, and it's like the most expensive pill on the market, but it's not that successful. Or there's also a fecal transplant that could be sure. even more valuable and yes. more effective, but it's like a little gray. There's a gray zone. No, no, there's that. no gray zone there. Uh, okay, so you probably maybe not for you. I was I just saw all this different so information. So actually, it's approved by FDA for actually C diff. And when you say uh, you know the fecal transplant, you're basically taking a poop from another healthy person and basically reintroducing the whole microbiome. So basically what we call poop is really a collection of microbiome that's inside your gut. And um, you can modify your microbiome two ways, either by eating the food from the front door or actually putting the microbiome from the back door. right? And, and some of them people are making even the pills, poop pills that you can actually swallow. Um, and essentially reintroduce a new set of microbiome. Yeah, when I left, when I heard that, I was like, wow, so you're telling me potentially the most expensive pill on the market isn't worth shit. 
That was where I kind of... That actually is uh, worth less than shit. Is that the truth? Is that shit is worth a whole lot more because that is really is the essence of microbiome, right? So I think one day we're going to realize that, you know, healthy people's poop is really worth more than any drug out there in the marketplace because now you don't have to take my word for it by the way anybody who's listening to it they can google any of the chronic diseases so you can google depression and microbiome alzheimer and microbiome the parkinson's and microbiome and in fact all of these cancers how not only that your gut microbiome influences the cancer how even the cure for cancer whether it works or does not work the chemotherapy or immunotherapy depends on your gut because when you take a drug guess what happens it goes to your gut and they they metabolize them and if they can detoxify it has no effect on you or it can amplify and it can actually turn into a poison right so it's literally what happens these organisms what they do to the drug has a lot of influence so you're from different types of heart diseases to cancer to alzheimer obesity diabetes you don't wake up one morning and say honey i think i might have caught diabetes right it is something you develop over a long period of time when you constantly are assaulting your body uh, well this brings up to me and especially on bigger systems i know how big you think so i think i do maybe i don't <laughs> um the what like the idea that you're saying poop is so valuable especially from healthy people there's i've always been struck in like why are we flushing poop into clean water is there, is there something better in your mind on that topic well, to do ultimately i would be, i believe that when people are healthy they would biobank their poop and when any time when they are sick they will be able to replace their uh, microbiome completely from their old poop and that's really will be the best drug so the drugs is going to be uh, food and that is personalized for you and the food will be the medicine and you know it all sounds so far-fetched and futuristic until we go back and look at the history, right? 2,500 years ago, Hippocrates, what did he say? He said, all diseases begin in the gut. One man's food is another man's poison. Let food be thy medicine, let thy medicine be the food. And I'm thinking, really? After billions of dollars of research, we go back to what we knew 2,500 years ago? But my point is, in ancient culture, we knew this, in fact, in Chinese society, thousands of years ago, they used to, when people got really, really sick, they will give them this thing called yellow soup. And yellow soup was actually a fecal matter put in the water and drinking. I mean, right. So my point is, we have known in many of these ancient cultures how important these things was. Remember, in mass, many of the society, this fermented food, fermented food is probiotic. And they were eating fermented food for the longest time. So my point is, in the cultures, we realized that these things were important. We just didn't know how and why. But we knew there was something inside our gut that was so valuable that was going on. In fact, when the baby is born, the first exposure to the microbiome, in fact, you know, there's a controversy whether the womb actually is completely sterile or not. And more and more research is starting to show that baby is not sterile inside the mother's womb. But fact is, everyone agrees that the baby gets exposure through the going through the birth canal. And that is really the key of how we start to create an ecosystem from the time the baby is born. And when you drink the breast milk, you're getting a tremendous amount of antibodies, the microbiome, through the milk. And in fact, you're getting the prebiotic. 
which is essentially is in the mother's milk, is to feed these organisms to grow and start to take hold. The first seven digits of the breast milk actually contains the oligosaccharides that cannot be digested by the human body. It can only be digested by the microbiome. And that means nature is telling us the offspring that we just created, the best way to keep it healthy is to not to feed it, but to feed them. Right? Think about it for a second. <laughs> well, all right. So if someone's listening to this and they don't take the Viome mm-hmm. offer... Mm-hmm. What is there any general? Have you found some general things like, oh man, kimchi is showing profound results or kefir or and and then so what's like generally some of the best things for best people for their gut biome and then what's the some of the worst things for the so it's very interesting that you know everyone thinks that you know I I have friends who probiotic is really helping them. In fact, if you just do the research in the last two months alone they showed that probiotic actually harms many of the people. The probiotic harm, in fact, even can destroy your gut when you're even going through cancer, right? So the, unless you know exactly what is going on, it's like treating your body like a black box. I keep putting the stuff inside there and somehow we expect the magic to happen. Because unless you know what is there, how can you say if I add something is going to help or hurt, right? So there is no general thing that say probiotics are good for you. There's some strains of probiotic for some people at some time are good and other times it is bad. However, now just to answer your question, that if you were just looking for a general healthy guidance, um, it is eat more seasonal food. That means don't eat the food when it's out of season, it's preserved. Eat as many different variety of food as you possibly can so you get a whole bunch of nutrients from different food. Um, and just generally avoid added sugar and processed food. I mean, if that's really what you follow, at least you're not harming your body tremendously, right? But the best way to do that is to, again, the more you know, the more benefit you can get. Because unless you don't, I mean, you don't even know what's going on inside. Just keep putting the stuff inside your body. I think you know it's just, you know, it's a trial and error. And then on the opposite side of the coin, and we mentioned antibiotics. Yeah. Is there any other foods that are like, oh, that's doing more damage than people might understand? Unless you really, really, really need antibiotics, you should try to avoid as much as possible. In fact. There are a lot of people are coming to the conclusion that the babies, when they get the ear infection, even the first thing is they start giving them antibiotics. There is 80% chance if you can just suffer through a little bit of pain for the baby, there's a good chance the body would actually kill that infection. But our immune system is really, really strong. And there are times when the baby's immune system may not be strong enough and you really do need antibiotics. But I would tell you that try to minimize as much as possible. In fact, there are... There's research uh, in the last three months. It, one is this morning. The babe, mother's microbiome in the womb actually impacts the first four years of baby's life. When the baby is born through C-section or natural, there are tremendous amount of difference in your microbiome. And you've seen a lot of the times that people who are born through C-section have many types of allergies and eczema and the things that they suffer from. And it's, again, I'm not ever, you know, judging there. Obviously, the times you have to go through C-section to save mother and baby both. But doing it purely for convenience is a crime. And that should not happen. 
Wow. Yeah, I, I, I had the for, was fortunate enough to see our baby birth in our living room, and it was uh, I was questioning the sterility of it all as well, and just the uh, that profound naturalness yeah. of that really it was a game changer. Wow. And then on the other side of this coin, you have this uh, the company Moon Express. Yeah. Um, from my understanding, that are y'all mining minerals on the moon, or is that the aim, or is that already happening? And what's the big vision with this? So the goal is not to just mine for minerals or really uh, you know anything else. The goal really here is to create a multiplanetary society so we can save the humanity from potential extinction. Right. So if you think about that, all seven billion of us living on this planet as called space our spacecraft called planet earth now imagine if our spacecraft gets damaged because we get hit by a large asteroid or we are pretty capable human being we may just destroy it uh, you know ourselves and when we say we're worried about our planet we're really worried about our this planet earth you really should be saying i'm really worried about the human species because i can guarantee you that this planet will be just fine i mean even if you look at the 65 million years ago when we got hit by a large asteroid, very large mammals were multiple size of human beings called uh, dinosaurs. They all died. The planet did just fine. In fact, it did so fine, it created humans. right? So my point is, we need to worry about our species. Would we survive if we continue to go down this space? An idea is that if you could hear a, a dinosaur rolling in their grave, they would be saying, hey, if they had one good entrepreneurial dinosaur, they would be roaming on the moon and the Mars and beyond. But they didn't have an entrepreneurial dinosaur. At least find a good entrepreneurial human being so that we can be roaming on the moon and Mars and beyond. And that's really the key is how do we start to make this possible for us to be able to live on really other planets so we can distribute the humanity so in case there's an accident and we all get uh, our spacecraft get damaged we don't get wiped out okay and another buzzword there the entrepreneur you being i think us both being retired entrepreneurs i kind of look at it the same way when i left college like i'm retired now what do i want to do what do i really want to do what is the, why you really it seems like almost preach about being an entrepreneur what does that mean to you why is it and why are entrepreneurs important to the human species so you know it's, so first of all there's no such thing as retired entrepreneur once an entrepreneur you it's, it's one of those type of things that infection never goes away once you get this entrepreneur infection you're you're basically done for life you just have to really live that life forever and to be an entrepreneur is really not just about starting a company being an entrepreneur is really about solving a problem right so it's about what is the problem that you care enough about it and you start to work on solving it? It's not thinking about it. It's not about coming up with a solution for doing it. It's about doing it. So people who come up with a problem are human beings. People who come up with the solutions are visionaries. People who actually do it are the entrepreneurs. So you could be doing anything with in a family. You find a problem, you solve it, you're an entrepreneur. You're working in a company, you find a problem, you solve it, you're an entrepreneur. And do you believe some people are more naturally lean that way? Like it's part of their dharma or their path to be an entrepreneur? Or do you think that's just something someone chooses or a mix of both? I'm curious. So I really think it's not something you're born with. It is something you develop. 
right i mean very few of the skills that makes you successful are really the na innate skills or the native skills that we have these are the skills you can acquire right these are the skills you can develop over a period of time and you know in fact the book that i wrote moon charts is all about how do you develop a mindset of abundance how do you start thinking about that every problem can be solved and especially today there has never been a time in the human history where you could do that. Today, you have the technologies that individuals and a small group of people can use to do things that only the nation states or even superpowers did, right? Whether it's going to the moon. Nobody ever thought a small group of people are going to ever do that. And you look at today in space exploration in our country. Who's going to the space? It's not NASA. It is Elon. It's Richard. It's, you know, it's Paul. I mean, they, all the people who are going doing that today are all entrepreneurs. Think about solving the healthcare problem. It's not going to be solved by Obamacare or Trump care or Putin care. It's going to be an entrepreneurs listening to this and saying, enough is enough. I'm going to go do something about it. Education system is not going to be solved by having another department of education and having an innovation department of education. It's going to be done by entrepreneurs saying, you know what, enough. We're going to go out and create something that's going to be adaptive, that's going to be personalized, that's going to be... Uh, be really dependent on how kids are learning is learning to solve the problem it's learning to actually be multidisciplinary rather than you know unidisciplinary and all those things that need to be done some entrepreneurs going to do that entrepreneurs are going to create that technology to be able to have abundance of fresh water abundance of fresh energy abundance of food because we as humans can only put value to something that's finite what if the things become abundant right just like air we don't fight over air and the only reason we don't fight over air because we inherently believe it is in abundance so 75,000 of us can sit in a stadium enjoy a game we don't slap the person next to us and say hey that's my oxygen you're breathing get out of here right because we say it's, it's good for it's enough for every one of us now imagine what if the energy was the next air that everybody th hey just enough of it everybody can have it for free what if the food was the next air what if everything we value becomes so abundant like air that is democratized and demonetized? And that's the world we can create when we put our mind. Yeah, the money part. So you, are you envisioning a future here that you're going to participate in that doesn't involve money or money is shifted when you say that that last thing you said? I'm curious what your imagination yes. with that is. So the, it's my point is when something gets demonetized, you don't make money from it, but you use it to create other set of services that people will value, right? So to me, they become the tool in your tool chest to be able to go out and solve other problems, which is how do you get give people, teach people to be intellectually curious? How do you go out and give them a mindset? So that my point is a different set of solutions that will come along that will allow you to use these tool set for people to self-actualize whatever that thing that they want to self-actualize, right? Yeah, I'm a, I've, I'm, I feel like in my bones that there's no shortage of money, that I, you, and everyone has access to all the money in the world because, first of all, it's a made-up currency yeah, that's yeah, very yep. purposeful, and but I can do something to attract that, and it's just continuously being made. Do you have anything to say about that? Do you, and I, that being said, before I met you in person, I think I was introduced like, yeah, you got to meet Naveen Jain. He's like, uh, he came, he's from India, a self-made multi-billionaire. That, that's kind of how I heard you described. Is that true? You kind of, what's the story there? So 
the story really is anyone who is focused on money is focused on the wrong thing, right? So it's, you know, in, in especially about money, it is making money is like having an orgasm. If you focus on it, you're not going to get it. You just have to enjoy the process. That means if you start to focus on solving a problem, the byproduct of that is you're going to make a tremendous amount of money. But you can't go say, I'm going to focus on making money. Then you will never ever be able to make it because the, really the purpose is, is to understand what problem needs solving. And you stay focused on that and everything else will fall in place. So you have to find out, God forbid, if you're actually successful in doing what you're doing, can you scale it to help billion people? And then this is a, another, just a whole other angle here. Have you heard of a book called Anti-Fragile by a guy named Nassim Taleb, I believe? I know Nassim Taleb. Yes. Okay, so I, I read, listened to part of that book, and I remember there was a specific chapter, and it's all about becoming anti-fragile and more robust mm -hmm. and not dependent upon others mm -hmm. to figure out what's going on for you. And I, this might not be an exact quote, but I remember the, the part of the chapter, he was explaining the best way to kill someone is to give them a lifetime doctor. Yeah. Because then that person will become obsessed with being treated, and how? Like, what do you think about that compared to Viome and what that's offering? So basically, it's comp you know, same thing. Saying everyone has to become the CEO of their own health. They have to take control of their own destiny in their own hand. The day you become dependent on someone else, they have taken control of your happiness. They have taken control of your health. So even being happy has to come from being happy inside you rather than thinking someone else makes you happy. Because when someone else makes you happy, you're just giving the remote control of your happiness to them. Happy, unhappy. Happy, unhappy. Right? Instead, if you are happy in yourself, you can share that happiness with the world. So that I said, first you have to fall in love with yourself and then you can share that love with everyone else. It is about not requiring someone else's approval. But coming back to your question is, the only way we can ever live a healthy life is when we want to live a healthy life through having a self-control. You becoming your own destiny, becoming a CEO of your own health. That's the only time you can stay healthy. Because our, you know, our system today is based on the fact that everyone in the healthcare system makes money when you're sick and no one makes money when you're healthy. And that has to fundamentally change. And the only way it can change is taking away the incentive for the system to only make money from keeping you sick. And then how did these systems that are parasitic, do you think this is a natural process? Like, like sometimes I look at my the yeah. world and yeah. I see wars. I hear about these wars yeah. and everything going on. And I'm like, well, I guess there's a, there is sort of a war going on inside of my body as well. Yeah. Um, do you have any like beliefs? I don't know if this is a spiritual question or what this is exactly, but why are these systems set up in a parasitic way? But it, you, know, so you call them in a parasitic way. This actually the tension between good and bad is because the good and bad is simply the concept, the human concept that we created. In some sense, we need both to stay alive. If we were only had, let's assume nothing bad ever happens, then you you don't develop the resiliency that you need. So when something bad happens, you're so fragile because you have no idea what to do because you've never seen it before, right? So how do you always be ready 
for something bad to happen if you have never been prepared for something bad to happen. And that's why inside the ecosystem of our gut, there is a war of good and bad and they find a good balance. The bad people keep the immune system just enough primed when there's something bad happens, it knows how to attack. Right. But if there was nobody there to keep the system primed and all the good guys, they're all, uh, you know, uh, all happy and something bad happened, they, say, they look at each other and say, what do we do? Oh, we have never seen it before. What do I do? <laughs> right. So idea is this is even though you call that parasitic, this is really more like symbiotic. That means we live these things together in symbiotic relationship and that any time one of the one set of part subsystem gets greedy and becomes more of it it changes the ecosystem in that ecosystem now there is so much inequality and in that inequality even the good people become bad right so it's not that the organisms that are good or the organisms that are bad they are organisms that are in the good ecosystem or in the bad ecosystem in the bad ecosystem good people behave badly Right? And in the good ecosystem, even the bad people behave nicely. <laughs> I'm going to let that marinate for a second. And on that, what, if, what do you think? You hear humanity, we're talking about humanity as a whole. What do you think happens to humans after this human suit experience? Well, so that is a, you know, we have to rethink what makes us human, right? Are we human because we are biological, right? So if we replace our knees uh, with artificial knees, are we human or we are not human? Most people will say, hey, that's okay, we are still human. You replace your shoulder, you're still human. Yeah, we're still human. Got your uh, heart, artificial heart now. Are you still human? Yeah. Got my kidney replaced. Am I still human? Yeah, yeah. At what point of time you start to replace your body parts and you say, I'm no longer human, right? Now, one would argue that the things that makes us human is really our memories and our experiences, really. If we can keep those, that is still me. So me is not my body. My body is from the time we are born to the time we grow up. Every part of our body is constantly changing, right? We are growing up. We were a tiny baby. We grow up, right? So our body is changing. So why don't we say, hey, you're no longer the same person. We're still the same person. And we still take pride in the fact because we're developing these memories and experiences. Now, what if we can transfer these memories and experiences to something else? Are we still the same person? So what people say is we can change everything as long as we can keep somehow memories and experiences. But if we say we can transform memories and experiences to something else, people freak out. But it's really the same concept, right? In which body, right? Now, here it comes very interesting. People talk about you can't be in two places at the same time because we believe we have these sensors, eyes and ears and <clears throat> somatosensory sensors that are touch and feel and all that stuff. Since these sensors are connected to this body, it can only be in one place at a time. What if you can distribute the sensors into some place else and you can experience it exactly as if you're experiencing it here, right? So what if I was sitting here, I'd close my eyes, but my sensors are somewhere else, I'm seeing it. Brain doesn't know the difference of am I actually seeing it from my eyes or my brain is actually experiencing it because somewhere else, right? It gets an electrical signal, I can create that electrical signal. What if we could be in five places 
and it's synchronized at the same time and experiencing everything at the same time. And that day will come, whether it's a 5G or 6G or 7G, that we wirelessly synchronize to be in multiple places. And that's one reason our human brain gets really fooled when we are in a virtual reality because what it sees in front of it, it believes is real. And um, I don't know if you have ever taken a virtual game of ledge, right? So you step up about a step and a half up on a platform and you put these virtual reality glasses on and suddenly now you're going up 40 story high and you start to, the elevator breaks down and you have to take a step out to just to save yourself. And you're watching it and you're looking down, there is a 40 story down and all you have to do is take a step. The human brain, even though it knows the reality, you just went up there, you put a step out and you cannot feel the earth. People panic and scream because they cannot take that step and half down knowing because the brain gets completely fooled. It does not know it's not real. right? And that's how a brain, when we think it's so smart, is actually so dumb. We, we say we believe it when we see it. Just because we can't see it doesn't mean it's not there, right? So because uh, we only see a small bandwidth of light. We don't see a lot of the stuff that's happening here. We don't hear a lot of the stuff that's already here. When you put a radio, you can hear the Taylor Swift. And if I were to tell you, hey, do you hear the Taylor Swift here? And you're going to say, this guy is really cuckoo, <laughs> right? But not a cuckoo, he just have extended sensors. Right? What if we can extend those sensors to hear things that we didn't hear or see things we didn't see? What is reality? Reality is simply our own perception of us. So if there is a bat who can hear ultrasound and this not real, just because they can hear it and we can't hear, if dogs can hear things and we can't, is that not real? <clears throat> if you are can only see black and white and see color and you say, I say this is green and I say, no, I'm telling you it's not green. Are you not real? If I see only 16 colors and someone can see million colors and say, no, it's not orange, it's really between orange and purple and you say, are you hallucinating? It's pure orange. My point is, what is real? Real is simply about how our sensors are letting our brain feel what it is. But reality is simply a perception. Yeah, this brings me to the this belief that I've bounced around with that any technology that I see outside of me is a reflection of the technology that I already have inside of me. And I'm curious how this, what do you believe about like astral projection or lucid dreaming? How does that relate to this topic, if it does? So, And do you consider yourself a mystic of sorts? Not really. I mean, you know, it's the interesting thing is that what is a dream? I mean, dream is simply a simulation of the ideas that you have, right? You can't dream something that you can't imagine, right? So imagination is really the limiting factor of what you believe is possible and that limits us to what you can actually dream about, right? That's the reason why science fiction is an amazing thing because once it is science fiction, it's only a matter of time then it becomes a science reality. Right? So if you go back and look at the things that were science fiction, people having these scanner to see, understand what's happening in the body, it's starting to happen. What people say you'll be able to communicate with each other over time, that's called cell phones, right? I mean, a lot of these things that used to be imagination are starting to become reality. We can now even send life over wire. 
so you can take a virus or a bacteria you can literally sequence it on one end and synthesize on other end and you can literally send life from one place to another place right teleporter right? so point is matter of time will all be able to do things so to me the lucid dreams are really our imagination and really running through our experience of what is possible and what our desires and, and things are well, man, you are obviously a man of much research and resources and intuition and activation. Is there uh, any specific resources, books, people that have inspired you to expand your imagination? Well, interesting thing is the best mentor in life really is life. Life never stops teaching. It's we stop learning. So every day, every moment, Every person you meet, there is a lesson to be learned there. We just stop learning at times, right? So every time you meet someone, as opposed to judging them from what you think they are, even a person you run into, a homeless person, sit down and talk. There's a lesson to be learned there somewhere, right? So the point is, life can teach you a lot. But I think I find myself to be, uh, you know, learning in every environment because we actually become who we are an average of five people we surround ourselves with so it's up to you to surround yourself with the people that you want to be and because they uplift you they give you different perspective and they change you who you are so as in my life in this continuum i continue to learn i keep surrounding myself with the people that i want to learn from and then i continue to go move up in the things to say now i've learned this i want to learn this and i move so it's not moving up it's really finding different groups of people that you can learn from. And the more people you can surround yourself with in each environment to learn from, I think you continue to stay intellectually curious and grow. And has there been any um, moments? I, I like, you know, I think I hear, when I think of Steve Jobs and like, hey, you ever take LSD? You ever take LSD? Like, did, has there been moments or did you sit in an ashram or did you have seeing your baby birth? Was there ever like, oh, I'm turning it up now? Like, imagination just expanded so fast through this one experience. You know, those experiences are really to large extent, I would say, are in the continuum. It's normally what you say, the last straw that breaks the camel's back. But it's really that last straw was so heavy. It is the build up of the things. And this last thing that happens, it just simply happens to be something that you took an action based on it. But rarely that is one ever small thing that changes. It is this build up of the things. And then you one day you just take action because there is some catalyst that happened. But that's simply a catalyst. Okay, well, Naveen, um, I know that I feel like we're coming yeah. to a wrap here. I'm so uh, inspired by your vision and your ability to take action on it and the way you communicate it and just being in your presence. It's a real honor. Um, well, thank you. You're very kind, and I, I hope that people who are listening to it know that man sitting next to me, how generous you are and um, how kind you are to take time to bring wisdom to others who may not be meeting everyone people that you bring in as a guest so thank you for doing what you do cool and that being said uh, would you want to just ask each other two questions just a little popcorn style and then we'll call it a wrap okay go for it all right i'll start it okay what is a question that you thought i was going to ask you that i did not i thought you were going to ask me that what makes me so handsome and cute <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, okay. I like that one. Thank you. I'm I'm surprised I didn't ask either. <laughs> okay, that's a question for you. What was the thing that you were expecting me to say or not say that I said on that last question or any? Oh, oh. Um, I think that last thing you said, I was not expecting you to say it, and I'm happy you did. <laughs> All right, your turn. Okay. Where, where has there been a moment? When's the longest you've ever slept for one period of time? You know, I really uh, not a you know again. I don't want people to be thinking that you know I'm just telling people not to sleep. But generally, I'm just so excited about life. If I get a good six hours sleep, I'm in heaven. <laughs> Was it, did you ever have like a 10-hour sleep or a 14-hour sleep? Or I would say probably like more like 8-hour sleep or 9-hour sleep. I don't think I'm going to say 10 or 40 hours <laughs> Okay. <laughs> All right. So All the right. final one. Final one for you. If you could get anything in life, you could meet anyone you want, who would you? That's alive currently? Uh, currently alive. Okay. 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 The first thing that's coming up right now is like going on a surf adventure with Kelly Slater. There you have it. Now let's go make it happen then. Let's make it happen. Hey, Kelly. Maybe we'll do a podcast too. All right. Naveen, Thanks a lot. What a thank pleasure. Thank you. Yes, thank you, my friend. Thank you. thank you, Greg. This boy and girl are going to be well equipped when the time comes to take their places as worthy members of adult society. All right. Uh, woo! Woo! My Breaking Normal podcast producer said this was his favorite episode. Do y'all think so? Let me know. Let me know what your favorite episode is so far with a comment in the iTunes review section. And we'll maybe we'll start figuring out more ways to gift people that are doing that, um, kind of searching in that group for people to gift. Because what's better than giving? And I know you giving us our, your support is, uh, is one of the ways that this message is going to be amplified and more people can hear it. So if you resonate with it, experiment uh, with the idea that sharing is caring and share this out. And also, if you all want to share the results or what you're going to do with the biome testing or if that's for you or if this is a season for you and you want to take advantage of the, uh, from my understanding, once again, the best deal on the website currently or it'll match any other deal. Um, that they have publicly going on, breakingnormal.com slash, I mean, viome.com slash breakingnormal. Order your kit. Let me know what your what your experience of doing this is. I'm going to start sharing mine on probably future episodes along with different ways to maybe shift our gut biome, our gut biome in a positive direction with easy choices that make big differences and on that note make the easy choice to make sure you check out the breaking normal book on audible or amazon and uh, download it go on an awesome hike get an awesome massage maybe listen to it at one and a half speed and i'll send you a sample right now you can check in and if it's for you check it out on audible or amazon.com today anyone that wants to reach out to me directly send me an instagram message see you soon talk to you soon See you in Breckenridge, Colorado, potentially for the next International Tribe Design, June 13th to the 16th, uh, celebrating. A lot of us, after the event concludes, will be heading towards the Red Rocks Amphitheater for a Tribe Design special night for our facilitators and training. 
at the Red Rocks Amphitheater with Trevor Hall, Nako Bear, and some another special musician that allegedly my daughter might have been channeling the other day. Fascinating enough. But any questions about any of that stuff, hit me up on Instagram and check out the Tribe Design event, internationaltribedesign.com. Get your Viome kit at viome.com slash breaking normal. And take a deep breath. There is a well-known experiment in post-hypnotic suggestion in which a subject is put under hypnosis and told that when he wakes up, he will get up, go outside, open his umbrella, come back in, and sit down. Sure enough, when the subject is brought out of it, he gets up, goes outside, opens his umbrella, comes back, and sits down. Why did you do that? The psychologist asks. And the subject answers, because I'm going out with friends later and it might rain, so I wanted to make sure my umbrella was working. Here's the thing. He's telling the truth so far as he consciously knows it. If you hooked him up to a lie detector test, he'd probably pass. The experiment is worth noting here because the results of it suggest that it's possible to be under the direct control of someone or something else and not know it. So the question is, how do we know we're not hypnotized? If not directly by a psychologist, perhaps indirectly by routine, a group of people, our own thoughts. On a cultural and societal level, hypnosis works as follows. A population is overfed, undernourished, sleep-deprived, cut off from nature, and dependent on drugs they can only get from those in power. They are surrounded by modern convenience and material things kept comfortable and stimulated and distracted by the news piped directly into their homes. Bigger elections, threats of violence, fears of scarcity. A society that is scared is easy to manipulate and open to subconscious messaging because they allow themselves to lose touch with their innate wisdom and discernment. They behave in false ways and make up reasons for it after the fact, reasons they perpetuate and spread to other people, reasons that may sound normal. I wanted to make sure my umbrella was working, but which from a different perspective don't reflect the whole truth. Their opinions, then, are not truly theirs, and they argue for limitations they've been conditioned to have. The psychologist might snap or clap or drop the subject to wake him up, but the way we do it is to jump in cold water. Initially, it can be jarring, maybe unpleasant. It's like the human equivalent of going from zero to 60 in an instant. Physically, everything turns on. The first thing some people think is, holy heavens, I want to get out. And if they do, that's great. At least they got in, got cold, not mentally cold, not imaginatively cold, and not cold because someone else told them they were cold, but really and truly cold. So cold that it might feel hot, almost burning, same thing. They're having a direct experience and getting direct feedback. With practice and conditioning, you can learn to observe and not give in to that first reaction to get out of the water. You can grow to accept the sensation, acknowledge it, breathe into it, and let it pass. Your heartbeat slows. Your chattering jaws calm down. Your limbs remain under control. You realize that not only are you okay, you're better than okay, stronger and more capable than you know. 
That's why we get in the water at the beginning as a show of agreement that for the next few days, we are willing to go outside our comfort zones and play in more watery environments, emotionally speaking, exploring their depths and surprises. We do it to say yes, yes to the experience, yes to ourselves, yes to life. Because the moment of letting go and jumping in, that's what it feels like. What you're running away from is chasing you. And what you're attached to getting is running away from you. Chapter 4. Feeling is Healing. <laughs> 